Hello and welcome to episode number 43 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dan Francesco, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Anthony Malakian, U.S. Editor of Waters Technology. Hello, one and all. Now, if you hear a little slight background noise, maybe the humming of an elevator or a slight, you know, hotel music, it's because we are in a hotel. We're in the the lobby of the Marriott Marquis. Anthony and I are both attending our uh our sibling publication, Risk.net's Risk USA. Um, so we have people walking around, kind of staring at us as we talk at this table randomly overlooking the bar. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Which I want to be at the bar. <laughs> well, that gets us to the topic of today's podcast, which is naturally the U.S. presidential election. Uh, we're talking right now on Wednesday afternoon, last late, really early this morning, um, late last night, depending on how you look at it, it was decided that Donald Trump was uh, the U.S. selection for presidency, defeating Democrats' uh, nominee Hillary Clinton. Before You're doing we, very great getting through this right now, by the way. Before we before we get into it real quick, let me just mention that uh, Anthony wrote a great piece on the Julia programming language that we're going to talk about next week, but we figured that because... Um, you know, the election is obviously the top of mind for everyone. This is what we want to talk about. So I guess to start, where, where do you want to start, Anthony? I will first let me start by saying um, congratulations on being wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yep. I think I, I gave you a couple outs throughout the few, few months yep. of talking. You did. Um, saying, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And you held strong that Trump was going to lose. It wasn't going to be close. I believe the last uh, prediction you made was that it was going to be called at around 11 o'clock at night. Um I'm not one to talk because I didn't make a prediction. I was a wimp in that sense, so I'm not gloating. But uh, from your perspective, watching it all unfold, what what was what was your point of view? Um, well, first of all, is I mean, I blame Nate Silver completely. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, in him you trust, and I mean, we should just do away with polls after Brexit and after uh, this result. There's just no point to have polling anymore because why would you ever trust it anymore from here on out? Um, so, yeah, it was shocking, obviously. Um, I, I, you know, this country has always moved slowly, progressively forward, but slowly. Uh, they don't usually make uh, rash jump backs, you know, jump back and out of fear and anger or whatever. So uh, it was definitely interesting. Um, I guess for us, I mean, we could, at, last night we did have plenty of conversation at a bar uh, discussing real results, but I guess that for our purpose here, yeah, what does it mean for our audience? What does it mean for the fintech space? And what does it mean for Wall Street, the city in general? And as with Brexit, there's still so much that has to unfold here. Um, so I guess, you know, our, our colleague Peter Madigan over at Risk wrote a very good story with a lot of different sources, uh, DC sources and stuff like that, about what a uh, Clinton presidency would mean for Wall Street and what a Trump presidency would mean for Wall Street. Um, and just to kind of peel off some of the things that he was saying, you know, if it was Clinton that was going to be elected, you know, you, she was talking about raising the existing regulatory bar and uh, introducing a risk fee on the largest financial institutions, strengthening the Volcker rule, um, hand more authority to regulators, downsize or break apart too big to fail financial institutions. Um, and uh, so you knew that it was just going to be, if not more of the same, even more regulatory oversight coming for Wall Street. 
Donald Trump, uh, while he has no official policy on Dodd-Frank, uh, he, has says, uh, he has said in the past, uh, in May, he said, I, will, I would say it'll be close to be a dismantling of Dodd-Frank. It's a very negative force, which has developed a very bad name. Um, but, you know, the people Peter was speaking with said, you know, dismantling Dodd-Frank through legislative means is all but impossible because it was expected the Democratic majority in the Senate would make that very difficult. Um, well, there isn't a Democratic majority in the Senate. It's uh, it's going to be all ours all over the Congress and the presidency. So now, you know, it's going to be do the Democrats take up a very um, hard line filibustering role the same way that the Republicans have done under the uh, Obama administration? Um, because to get anything done, you'll need 60 in the Senate. But right now there's only 51 Republicans, 47 Democrats, and then two independents. So it's going to be very much a wait-and-see kind of thing um, from a regulatory perspective. Um, But I would say that there are two areas that will probably be looked at right away. The Volcker Rule, um, that one could definitely be declawed if not completely taken away. Um, which would mean you know banks are taking improper trading again on their own. What does that mean for their technology, for the trading desk, stuff like that? Um, and then the Collins Amendment, uh, which requires Dodd-Frank, uh, U.S. banks using uh, internal models to calculate the risk-weighted capital requirements. Um, it sets thresholds. That one, I don't think that there's as big of a technology component to. Um, so I guess Volcker will be the one that we'll keep an eye out in the beginning. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out. I wrote a column a few months ago when when Trump came out and said that he wanted a moratorium on just federal regulation across the board, which I said was absurd because, you know, it takes long enough already to get um, regulations in place. We can talk in a little bit later about Reg AT and kind of the, the most recent updates about that. But I think the, the biggest takeaway, just like Brexit, and I wrote about this today in a column that I wrote, is that it's still wait and see. It's still very much we're unsure just because, for better or for worse, Trump hasn't come out and put out very hard, stringent, this is what my economic policy is going to be. This is what I'm going to do with regulations. It's very vague. Now, on one hand, you can say, well, that's absurd that somebody that is like that got voted and elected in. And fair enough, that's 100% true. But if you want to look green side or better side of it, it's the fact that now he's not necessarily tied to anything so he can come out and kind of look at it with a fresh perspective. Now, maybe I'm just looking at poop and trying to imagine that it smells like daisies, but we're at the point now where we can't cry over spilt milk. What's done is done. These are the steps that need to be take, taken going forward. I mean, am I looking at this the wrong way, you think, Anthony, or, or what? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, everybody's freaking out right now, but listen, you know, you got to give... We have U.S. elections. This wasn't a terrorist attack. You know, there's this <laughs> gloom that's, like, hanging over, but it's like, listen, we have these elections. The American people spoke... What does that say about the state of, you know, our society, about racism in this country, about stuff like that? That's for another show. Right. For what we're looking at, um, you know, you, there's really nothing that I don't think Dodd-Frank can be stripped out and completely declawed and stuff it's like sh- that. It's and even, too big. Is right? Let's just say even if it could, you're still going to have to be interacting with, you know, MIFID 2 is still going to play hard. These, these reporting um, systems, stuff like that, that you put in place... Well, you have them in place now. So, you know, you're going to use that to the best of your ability, but you can't make any decisions based off this, um, based off of this result right now. Um, I, I would say that, you know, two things keep in mind, and uh, Gizmodo um, did a good job 
of just talking on some of the technology uh, trends. What was it? Uh, the critical tech issues Donald Trump must face. And uh, two areas that could concern our audience, could concern um, IT, is um, around in- encryption. Um, he'll be in a uh, position, uh, this is from Gizmodo, he'll be in position to approve legislation on encryption. In April, Senators Richard Burr and Diane Feinstein released the, an early draft of their anti-encryption bill. The bill officially titled the Compliance with Court Orders Act of 2016 would require technology companies to crypt and decrypt customers' data at a court's request. Um, President Obama was opposed to this, where uh, Trump has been. Uh, he was, when we had that whole Apple case a while mm-hmm, back sure. with uh, the terrorist act, um, he was in favor of the government being allowed to go in and decrypt uh, that phone. Um, and then the other thing is surveillance. Uh, Donald Trump has been very open about being for surveilling U.S. citizens. Um, and he's never been, you know, as, as Gizmo says, never been shy about that. So what does that mean from a banking perspective and as far as what they potentially could, the the kind of oversight that they could see? Again, it's all hearsay right now, so there's nothing to be done, but it is something to consider in the back of the mind, I guess. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I guess you could say this for every president, but the, the, you know, and this was true for Obama, but even more so now for what will be Trump's tenure, is that the issue of cybersecurity and the issue of these encryptions and this type yep. is going to be more important and more prevalent than it's ever been for any president that's ever sat in office. Well, he's boys with Putin. So, you know, I mean, we've got to figure out that will help our cybersecurity defenses, right? <laughs> Let me ask you this, uh, and I know this is kind of outside of our realm a little bit, but it's in our space. So the futures market plummets right as trump as it seems that trump is going to win presidency recovers as of for i mean the market's closing as of right right about now it seems the markets did pretty well there wasn't this massive sell-off and at least in the u.s it it wasn't you know absolute turmoil do you think that's a um uh a um i don't know what the right word for do you think this means that traders are comfortable with the Trump presidency? Do you think they're... Because if they were unsure, unsure leads to volatile markets. Now, granted, mm. it was volatile at the beginning, but it really stabilized. Today wasn't as bad as many predicted. What do you think that says about how Wall Street is viewing Trump as president? I mean, I, I, have, I really wouldn't know. I, I, I think that when you look at elections in general, um, I, I was reading this, so I don't have the stats in front of me, but that usually after an election, the markets kind of go a little haywire for sure, a second because they don't know so that was common, you know. So that's not even like that, that wasn't necessarily a big thing, um, you know. <laughs> you got to think that under him there will be a period of deregulation, and you'd have to think that you know Wall Street would be fairly happy with that. Um, but I wouldn't assume to know what uh, what the traders are uh, kind of thinking and whether or not they're for or against this. I know that I have a couple friends that work at banks that are very concerned about this uh, election, uh, about this result. Concerned so they weren't pumped. From a, from a personal level or concerned from a professional level? Professional level. And uh, just, you know, whether or not they're going to have jobs, whether or not, you know, kind of some of the things, you know, things are going well for them right now. So they were kind of a little bit worried about it. So. I don't know. It's all it's all speculation right now. What do you, from and this is a little bit off the the tech, and we don't have to get too deep into the weeds in this, but just from a perspective of kind of you know because polling is data and analytics is funny. I was 
listening to a <laughs> machine um, machine learning artificial intelligence panel today, and the guy gets up and goes, "Yeah, it's kind of a tough sell for me right now, <laughs> considering how last night went." Yeah. W- what was the biggest thing? Was it the fact in Brexit where people are comfortable telling you one thing to a pollster, but once that curtain closes, they're going to say something else? Was it that they didn't predict that a lot of these folks that maybe haven't voted in the past were going to come out in droves? Was it you know I heard one person say once that uh, once that um, curtain comes across, a Republican's always a Republican, and you're going to vote along party lines whether you like the person or not. What what was it? To me, and this is just I, I this is just an opinion, right? Um, sure, that's and there, I'm sure there'll is. be plenty of uh, follow up on it. But it's not like last I checked, he had something. Hillary Clinton was actually winning the popular vote. Uh, Donald Trump was at they were both at 59 million votes. Mm-hmm. Um, with Clinton having a slight lead last I looked. Um, so it's not like these were record-breaking turnouts. It's not like when President Obama was elected in 2008 and he won with like 69 million votes, I think it was, 68, 69. Um, and then even before last year, uh, 2012, he won with like 65 million and Romney had 60 million, something like that. So it's not even like it's like this huge, overwhelming ground 12 turnout. I think really what happens is I mean, I think that plain people are going to have to look themselves in the eye in the morning. Now, I'm a Republican. I did my job by not voting for Donald Trump. You know, Democrats are going to have to kind of say, we didn't turn up the way, because I don't understand how you can win an election without, you know, strong female support, without strong Hispanic vote, uh, vote, and without uh, uh, African-American vote. It doesn't make any sense to me unless you didn't show up to the polls. I think people are going to have to, look, instead of bitching and moaning about how, oh, these rednecks and everything like that voted this way, you know, it just goes to show how screwed up they are. Well, at some point, you got to look in the mirror and say, we didn't do our job and show up to the polls. Yeah, they got their asses off the couch to go and vote. Where were you? Because um, I think that if they would have had a very strong turnout, uh, Barack Obama-esque, you know, kind of a turnout, you know, with 65 million, 68, this would have been over. This would, we wouldn't be talking about this today, but they didn't show up. That's my opinion on it. I don't think it had to do with the polling and with people saying one thing or the other. You know, it's not like he had record turnout for a Republican candidate. So how about the fact that they just put up the one candidate that could have lost to Donald Trump? I mean, and that's the other thing. It wasn't a very... I mean, the Republicans tried to give this election (laughs) to uh, the Democrats with uh, who they selected. Um, I mean, if you think about it, like, just going to see Donald Trump winning, you know, you have to wonder... Would it have been a similar kind of course of action had um, if it was uh, Rubio or if it was Bush or somebody like or my boy Kasich, uh, who was very wrong? Uh, he even put out an attack ad on Trump the day before the election. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think that the Democrats are going to have to kind of say, you know, we're done with the Clinton dynasty here. Sure. Let's start. She's obviously very polarizing. This family's polarizing. Now we need to regroup, look at ourselves, which is funny because I really thought after this election it was going to be the Republican Party saying, "All right, right, what do we represent? You know, do we need a new neoconservative movement?" Here? We've hit kind rock bottom now. Yeah, you know, we've exactly. lost everything. We need to recess. Now, what does this mean going forward? With well, they won. Why wouldn't they be more encouraged to try these kind of tactics going forward? Which is worrisome. Ooh, two two more questions, real quick, and then we'll move on to Reg AT. Do you think Bernie would have won? I don't know. I, I, my opinions have been wrong. I would say <laughs> I know you're a little gun shy. Yeah, now. I'm like they so willing, here, man. I'm like, oh god. Yeah, not so willing to throw. Um, out, uh, I would the say he would have had a movement 
the same way Trump did have something of a movement. Um, it would have been interesting to see, you know, do disenfranchise white males, top uh, reformists, you know, liberal. <laughs> I, I don't know. It would have been a, a fun, a more fun battle to watch, perhaps. Second question. Second, second question. Last question. Uh, you you touched on it there. How do the Dems move forward now for 2020? They don't have. I mean, I. Who's in their pipeline? Well, have you heard the latest? Who? They want they want Mrs. O Michelle. Michelle Obama. That's, yeah. I mean, that's Twitter, which is the 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 lowest of the low in terms of the lowest common denominator. But that's I've I've seen a groundswell of Michelle save our presidency, which. Say whatever you want about Barack and say whatever you want about Michelle, and she's done great stuff with kids and getting them active. I'm not sure in the same way that Democrats have their hands up in the air and a lot of people have their hands up in the air about Trump not being qualified. What makes Michelle Obama qualified? You know, Hillary was Secretary of State. Michelle Obama's first lady, tough job, but not sure what qualifies her to be the President of the United States. Yeah, but I mean, at least not you know, Clinton was a senator. Right, for exactly. A senator. Had- she, she'd been in the, in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, you know, listen, I, whether you agree or disagree with uh, President Obama's um, policies, the man carried the office with dignity and grace, and so did Michelle. She was absolutely brilliant um, in the speeches that she gave and the way that the dignity and just the class that they showed, the respect for the office that they showed. Um, something I really do worry about going forward here, obviously. Did, did the victory speech give you any hope that something, you know, you, 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 bu- yeah. you, you've heard that, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, he could have been a dick, let's be honest. Yeah. He could have been a dick and said, I was right all along, but he, you know, showed some class, I guess you could say, or class for him. I also saw that he reached out to Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, or the, yeah. the Democratic leader in the Senate, kind of said we need to work together. I mean, it could be all just, you know, for show, but I don't know, is maybe... There, well, is there you, a light at the end of the tunnel? You have to soften your... Again, I think that Trump wanted to win, and he used tactics that... Or I don't even... Actually, it, did he actually want to win? Did he actually think yeah, well, this that's day was going to come? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but he was using tactics and saying things I would imagine that he thought was right. But I think that it's, it's got to be a pretty intense feeling right now to know that you now have a massive amount of power. Sure. Um which is worrisome for many people, I'm sure. But, you know, you have the Congress, um, the House and the Senate, and that's got to set in that you are now the president for all Americans, and he said that. Let's hope that we... I think that there are going to be plenty of, you know, screw-ups and stuff like that along the way. I'm an eternal optimist that things... It's not like the U.S. is going to come unraveled and come off the hinges... You know, it might not be the greatest presidency, it might not be the worst. You know, let's now and, we have to give them a chance. Yeah, and, the and people spoke. And let me just say this before we switch. You know, if you listen to this thing, oh, those guys are Trump apologists. That's not the case at all. But you know what? This is the card we've been dealt. This is the hand we've been dealt. We have to eat our meal now. We we made our dinner. This is what democracy led to. This okay, whether you like it or you don't, and a lot of people don't, but a lot of people do because that's what the, the country decided. Yeah. This is what we have, so we need to move forward with it. Okay, we can look back and say what could have been done done differently. Sure, but at the end of the day, we need to move forward with the person that was elected. And, and that's what exactly what Barack Obama said today. He gave a brilliant speech um, at the White House. And just saying, listen, we're on the same team. We're yeah, all Americans. Here. Exactly. Democrat, Republican, we're all Americans. So right now, as it stands, that's how Donald Trump seems to be facing it. Until it proved differently, you got to give him that benefit about yeah. he, he is the president of the United States. Yep. As weird as that is. Yeah, exactly. As weird as that is, is 
is could not be said more loudly. Uh, let's switch gears now to some big news that maybe was overlooked just because of when it dropped. Uh, there was yeah. a call on Friday regarding, uh, well, it was a vote on Friday regarding the uh, Reg AT, the controversial Reg AT and its source code provision. This is something that Anthony has been all over. Anthony and I spoke about this a few weeks ago, um, mm-hmm. but he's really the expert on it. He wrote a feature on it. He's he's covered the comment letters. Now he he listened to the entire phone call. Uh, give us a recap of what happened. I know the vote was two to one with one yep. strong dissension. Chris uh, Giancarlo, Commissioner Giancarlo, he I mean he was invoking English common law, the U.S. Bill of Rights, Ben Franklin. Um, into his dissent of this, and I completely agree with him. I am totally team Giancarlo on this, and quite frankly, um, a Trump presidency could spell doom for Reg AT, but we'll see. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure, but essentially, they voted in favor that you would have to hand over your source code. It used to be by a subpoena, but now the commission can vote on it, and if they vote two to one in favor, mind you, they're two seats short. There should be five members on the, the, the committee, but there's just three right now. Um, if they vote two to one, then you have to hand over your source code. But there are no provisions written in this about, um, about you know, security around the code. Who owns it? Do we, we have to hand it back right after we're done with it? Who can see it? Who can use it? Um, There's an issue at the OCC, yes. regarding this, correct? That was brought yeah, up. Yeah, not so not uh, the right. So at the OCC, uh, somebody it was like their last day or something like that, and they left with they, they downloaded millions of files onto two thumb drives, <laughs> and then left. And then when they said, "Hey, buddy, uh, where's uh, where are these thumb drives?" He goes, "I can't find them. I just lost them. I didn't. I wasn't going to use them for anything." Well, that that shit happens, man. So. The fact that there are no provisions around this is absolutely insane to me. And, I mean, Giancarlo just went off talking about the freedom of America. This is tyranny. And, like, the libertarian in me was like, hell yeah, Giancarlo. Go for it, baby. Go for America. it. Get him. Uh, <laughs> but he ended up uh, falling to uh, Mossad and Bowen uh, voted for it. Um, so uh, one quote just to take away. Uh, Jim Carl said, under this proposal, while it may remain the same procedurally for the CFTC to gain access to um, to the source code, we take away the procedural rights of the property owner. They have no choice, if this rule is passed, but to hand over their source code and basically shut up. That's his quote. Uh, How is that fair? He asked. Any public good achieved by this rule is, in my mind, undone by this provision that proprietary source code used in trading algorithms be accessible anytime, anywhere to the CFTC and the Justice Department without a subpoena. Um, The subpoena process is very, very important because then you can go before a judge and say, no, listen, the the duration of this, the the scope of this. It's a barred entry. It's a barred entry. Exactly. That needs to be there. So th- there's no provisions around that. And then you're b- and he talks about this, that security. There's no security built around this. You're just creating a massive, massive headache for the CFTC. And even he said, let me find this. Um, let's see here. Sorry. Uh, dead air is always great. No, no. It's um, so absent specific measures, I have to say it's absurd to suggest that source code will be kept secure. The CFTC itself says Giancarlo, has an imperfect record as a guardian of <laughs> confidential proprietary information. If this rule proposal goes forward, it'll make itself a target for a broader group of cyber criminals, including those engaged in cyber espionage. 
and then he got voted down. So it's uh, this is they're going to now uh, it opens up a new comment period, um, which will close after sixty days, and then they'll uh, eventually put forward a final rule that will be written, register, sent forward um, to be voted on. Right. So sorry. So the the timeline again. So it hasn't been implemented yet, but now there's going to be another set of comment letters that are still be able to come in. Yeah. So right now uh, the body will now publish a supplemental notice in the federal register, which will be followed by a sixty day period for people to submit uh, comment letters. From there, the CFTC staff will read those letters, incorporate any new thoughts, ideas, changes into the rule, and send it to the commissioners as a final rule. Um, it's right now; it's unknown how long this whole process will take. Were you, you know, in your story, you spoke to a lot of folks about this, and it's they seem to think that there was no way this was going to get pushed through. I thought we, that there was no way it was going to get pushed through. Yeah. Just the same way I thought there was no way the <laughs> Trump presidency would happen. And that's why you never bring up listen circle. to me, people. That's the that's the moral of the story. Never listen to Basically, me. Basically, don't you know? I guess so. Julia is just going to go to shit now because yeah. you just read all. <laughs> about it and that, that programming <laughs> language is doomed done, done. um you know we even had um uh patel walker the uh legal counsel to share commissioner sharon bowen who yeah. was in support of it obviously and even when at this very venue when she was here uh for the buy side technology awards even she seemed like you know we've listened and there's gonna be some changes that are be made but for them to come out hard basically staying standing in exactly where they were a few months ago I think it's pretty and shocking. And slapped around Giancarlo's comments like, you know, you don't really often see them that at odds with each other um, on a roll. And they were very clearly at odds. And he, he, he kind of laughed off everything that Giancarlo was saying, which I would wonder if they had a little bit of a chat afterwards uh, behind closed In doors. The chambers, In the chambers. Right? Do they have yes. chambers? I don't I know. Have no Maybe. Idea. Um, all right. Well, I think that's, that's it. We, you know. It's an emotional day, a lot of emotional emotions. Uh, Let's go get a drink. Yeah, that's definitely what we need. Um, before we let you go, one quick thing: subscribe, subscribe to us. Right, we get a lot of listeners. Uh, we want to get those subscription numbers up. We have the links there to iTunes, to SoundCloud. Subscribe so you know all it's the time. Free too. It's free, exactly. It's free. It doesn't do anything. Um, I'm pretty sure Waters doesn't take any of your data up on iTunes. We have a little special agreement with Apple, so yeah, exactly. don't worry about yeah. it. You can don't listen worry. wherever. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but uh, that's the second lie we've told in the second straight podcast. <laughs> but um, subscribe. Please click the subscribe Click the subscribe button. <laughs> need Get a drink. those numbers up. Yeah, need a drink. Uh, you know, subscribe because we're going to give you good content. And reach out to us. Our contact emails are there. If you're pissed about what we said about the presidency, let us know. If you're pissed about what we said about Reggae T, let us know. If you want to hear about something we haven't talked about in a long time, let us know. Our emails are there. Our Twitter accounts are there. Let us know. We want to get that feedback. This is a democracy. And you might not like the democracy you're in now, but the Waters <laughs> Wavelength Podcast Democracy is a great one. Uh, <laughs> all right. That's it. Oh, that's all I have for now. Anthony, you have anything else to add? That's all I got. Well, thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, be sure to check in next week. Thank you.